Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I'm Tim Priester with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. It's Monday, April 23rd. We are two days removed from the blue gold game, we'll put a wrap on that today. I'm feeling particularly Notre Dameish today because I, uh, uh, my wife and I attended uh, Soren a Notre Dame story, the play yesterday, and then last night Rudy was on. And today's Notre Dame day, <laughs> so even though I'm feeling particularly Notre Dameish today, uh, I'm not having sat down to watch the game, and I want to hear what Which you guys. Which is super Notre Dame to s- rewatch the blue gold game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not prepared to just like wrap a bow around this and say, okay, everything's great, head in the right direction. Brandon Wimbush is great; he's improved. Offensive line is fine. Moving forward, everything's going to be fine. I don't feel that way after watching the Blue Goal game on tape. On no, film. I, I mean, I, I definitely didn't feel that way uh, live or on tape with Wimbush. I thought Wimbush was good and clearly is better. Um, I would say he's better enough that if if Notre Dame somehow could start this Brandon Wimbush. For 13 games last year, they probably would have gone 11 and two. Um, maybe snuck into the playoff, but like certainly they would have beaten Georgia and probably beaten Stanford at the end. Um, I think the offensive line. I'm feeling like I've been overrating that throughout spring. Like, okay, they're not going to be as good without McGlinchey Nelson, duh. But they're still going to be good, and I think maybe they're just going to be kind of above average work in progress during the year, and I, I, that's. That's one thing. I, I'm just not sure Notre Dame can afford that kind of growth from the offensive line. I think they, they need to be ready to go on September 1st, and I, at this point, I'm not sure they will be. If that's the case, they cannot afford it because they'll start 0-1, yeah. um, and then there will be a lot of challenges along the way. But the offensive line didn't have a great day, but I'm, I do wonder how much spring practices uh, approach has to do with that. I don't, think they, I don't think they hit enough. I don't think they run enough. I don't think they hit enough. And maybe when we re- reevaluate this in August, when the running game is the major part of the as the emphasis of the offense, maybe we'll look differently. But like, what does that have to do with a false start or like a lot of blocking? There, there were plays where there were defensive linemen just running free, and I, I get that part of the offense is you leave some guy unblocked, then you read him, and then you react. But if you leave Jerry Tillery unblocked, that never makes sense. Um, so I just felt. I felt watching that, um, you know, maybe Tommy Kramer stood out to me not in a great way of like, yeah, maybe this is going to take some growth for him to, to become a really natural right guard, which isn't to say it won't happen or can't happen, but I just felt that the offensive lineman was going to be able to hit the ground running when the season started. You had you had five false starts from the starting offensive line, if you include the two mm-hmm. snap. And, uh, no, that's not true. Colin Grunhardt had so four from uh, uh, the starting offensive line, two for Haynes and one for... Eichenberg and then Mustafer. And I'm not sure what's behind that. The cadence, I don't know why that would be a problem with the quarterback or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't, I just, I don't, 
the offensive line, I the thing with Tommy Kramer is, you know, they like to they like to put their guards on the move. Well, you know, I don't know. I, it's not easy to do that with Kramer because he can't get in position to throw the block for the running back. I, I think I'm agreeing with you guys, by, <laughs> despite contradicting you. I just never – I don't believe it because of this practice we watched about the offensive line. I just have not felt since they lost their two best players and the best offensive line coach they've had in 25 years mm-hmm. that the offensive line was going to be a strength. I'm not changing my mind because of the blue goal game. As well. Okay. well, but Pete points out, you know, you know, you got four star guys up there. You've got experience up there. You have material. There's plenty yeah. of material, but it was it was just an out of this. There was material two years ago too. They weren't great. No, I, you know, it's it's how offensive line works. Yeah, I, I get it. it. It's it, we, everyone it, knows there's a drop off, but I expected a stark drop off in the offensive line play from last year. Yeah, I guess it's like. Maybe this is, maybe we're sort of splitting hairs on this one because I, I think there's a difference between like there's going to be a stark drop off because your guards are your left guard is not going to be throwing people in the stands and you're actually going to allow pressure off the edge like and I think that's okay you can live with that but the stark drop off can't be missed assignments and false starts no and I would so hope op- that was operational and mental errors like that's the kind of stuff I was just like I wasn't really expecting to see that on Saturday um, I mean I thought that the run play would would gash people a little, gash the defense more than it did. Um, and that just never, it never really felt like that was going to happen in the first half of the game. It just seemed like they were kind of mucking around a little bit. As it relates to Brandon Wimbush, you know, I mean, I, I, I his footwork is less complicated. It's shorter. It's quicker. He's getting rid of the ball. He had more confidence in making throws. I still stand by the fact that if he's more confident – he will probably double in his interception total from last year because the reason he only threw six last year was because he was hesitant to throw something in there. He didn't believe that he didn't have the confidence in himself that he could stick it in there. If you get him playing faster and making quicker decisions, and when you see it rip it, that's great. That's in the long run, that's going to help you. But you're probably going to get picked ten times. You're probably going to have yeah, double he digit could picks. With it with, if he gets yeah, to the thirty. I mean, he had thirty touchdowns last year with, by and he gave away November, so. If he has ten picks and thirty-five touchdowns, and I still think I just still think his accuracy. You know, Mac had to make a couple, you know, reaching grabs um, beginning with the first play of the game. Uh, I still don't think that we can just say, okay, now his accuracy is going to be better. What What did you predict him? What he was like forty-nine point six percent last year. It had to be fifty-eight. I would say fifty-five to. I think he was fifty-seven percent on Saturday. I wouldn't expect his average per game to rise above that. Based upon just, you know, and here I wrote a column on Sunday and said, I'm, di- I'm not going to give big picture. <laughs> and I didn't in that story. <laughs> but then I wrote Tale of the Tape after watching Blue Gold Game and um, after watching the TV version of it. And I just, you know, and that would be a significant improvement. Fifty-five to fifty-seven percent. Yeah, you got to hit all your shots. But it you would also be throws. right. It would all, if you if he completes say fifty-six percent of his passes, there are go, certainly going to be times where he said, "Well, okay, that was a blown opportunity on third and five. You should have hit him," because fifty-six, fifty-seven is in in today's passing game is good, but not right. real good. I, I expect he is going to have blown opportunities where he should have hit guys. I'm just saying that he can. The forty-nine percent <clears throat> is a result of the horrid misses that. No one should ever have True. when you're throwing screens. Mm-hmm. You can't miss screens, and you can't miss wide open guys deep. You can miss deep because you're taking shots that loosens up the defense. That's fine to miss deep occasionally. You could probably go back and, I mean, everybody remembers the Georgia game. That's a bomb touchdown to start the game to Equinemius St. Brown. 
game of field goal drive. Yep. Clearly, everybody talks about the Miami game. There's a USC one involved there, too. It's just they ran out to them. Right. So, it, you know, usually people don't care that he missed the one touchdown pass, but that was when they didn't get a touchdown on the drive, too. It's Those kept happening, and those don't usually keep happening. That's a weird thing to keep missing as an athlete. I, I get that because I still, you, we, we all believe there was mental in those short passes, the bubble screens and all yeah. that. There was technique and mental issues. You do just let it rip on throws like that. Right. And I, I find I found those weird. And you've thrown so many in practice and in your yeah. life that that's how you develop confidence in it. Let's talk, I want to talk about a couple guys. Um, Chase Claypool was brilliant, um, aggressive, attacking, confident, cocky. That's the Chase Claypool that they need in the fall. I don't, yeah, I'll be curious to see how that meshes with the staff and because you keep hearing about traits and focus and optimal zone maturity, all sorts of buzzwords that the coaches like to throw out as reasons why a guy doesn't play more. Um, You know, Brian Kelly can keep saying that Miles Boykin is the best receiver and that's, that's fine, but he's not. You know, Chase Claypool has athletic gifts that Miles Boykin doesn't have. Right which is fine because you need a bunch of receivers to play. And Boykin and Claypool together uh, in one lineup is really intriguing, and I hope the coaches sort of try to figure out how to make that happen in the fall. Um, but, yeah, he's just got he's just got sort of like this um, next-level strength and physicality where Sean Crawford looked like a high school kid on that play, and that's not something easy to do to a really gifted athlete like Sean Crawford. I have a feeling that the Chase Claypool, the, the, how they temper everything, is closer to Lewis Nix back in the spring when he was, oh, Conan, you know, rest, I didn't mean to read that up, rest in peace, Conan yeah. Schwenke, was ahead of Lewis Nix in the spring going into 2012. I think that's a, you need to be a more focused kid, <clears throat> so right now you are not winning this job. I don't think it's along the lines of the post the previous Stepperson and maybe the Dexter Williams thing where no no they really mean it they're really not going to play him I don't I don't feel that with Claypool I don't we'll see. I, I would be surprised if Chase Claypool is not a starting wide receiver yeah I agree because year. think of it Pete I mean last year he had this 2017 season he was having some of the same issues and he stayed on the field did he not I mean, uh, by and large he stayed on the field until yeah, they got banged I mean, up he sort of came on against Michigan State. Yeah, um, it took him a couple games. It did take him a couple yeah. games yeah. to play him, but Kelly said that was our mistake. You know, we Sat- didn't have him in. Yeah. Saturday was the first time. I, mean, I don't. You guys have probably spoken to Claypool more than I have. That's really the first time I've ever just stood there and interviewed him. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean I don't mean this to be mean or negative, but he is immature. I mean, he is kind of youngish. That's the narrative everyone tells us. Yeah, we, I, we, I you know I didn't I didn't I didn't fully realize that I guess until Saturday, and it's not. I'm not criticizing him, and everybody develops at their own uh, pace. And I, I, he just is kind of like a young kid still trying mm-hmm. to learn what how to react to. You know, he talked about just how how to react to success and how to react to failure. He doesn't do either one of those well. Yeah, I just, I mean, the whole Claypool. I just feel like there's a lot of overthink happening with him, and by him or by everybody, everybody. Else? Like staff included about like well you need to not pound your chest after you get a first down or hang your like just play. I mean, yeah, better to do that. Better to pound your chest when you do well than to solve. Yeah, what you do. I, I think in fairness to the staff, it's also this play isn't coming to you. Maybe you should leave the line of scrimmage. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. that's the ultimate. That's I mean, just, that, that's, that's the, different. That's, that's different. Maybe you know that's maybe, a lack of maturity. That, that's what I mean, I'm saying. That's, just not... that's all. But I think Pete's right. That's they I mean, staff is overthinking, but he's giving the opportunity to overthink it by just doing things that. 
wide receivers nowadays, no, you have to run your route if you're the fourth option. Yeah. It's, you can't get past it. Just going to Claypool, um, these are a little skewed because Stefferson would have probably been the second most targeted receiver last year. He was number two. Um, one target Temple in Georgia, two BC, and then he started going. You know, but it wasn't... I guess this is a little skewed by the fact that Wake Forest, he was targeted 15 times, which is Michael Floyd-like. And people really don't go at guys that much yeah. on, on a team that was had a few weapons. I can't imagine him not starting next year. Clay, Chase Claypool. I, that would be astounding. He would have to do something to keep himself out of it. And I, I wrote about... Just imagine... I wrote this in today's Tale of Tape. Just imagine... And this isn't a stretch because two of them are seniors and one's a junior. Mac, Dexter Williams, and Claypool. Just maximize their ability. They're upperclassmen now. I mean, just maximize your ability. How dangerous can that offense be if those three guys maximize? I wrote about this morning, too. It's Monday Musings that I listed all the things I liked. Then the cause for concern is those three, the staff doesn't trust them in some way. And the fourth best playmaker on the team, nobody in America trusts and Brandon Wimbush, and he's a senior as well. Yeah, that's strange that the four best playmakers are seniors, three seniors and a junior, and they're the ones you're not sure about coming into September first. Statistically, on Claypool, I think here's the one that matters. The targets aside, just the completion percentage on balls thrown in Claypool's direction was. I mean, we know how inaccurate Notre's quarterbacks were. When they threw to Claypool, they completed sixty-five percent of their passes. Whoa, that's phenomenal. Right. That's say, unbelievable. Extended catch rating. Same spot. St. Brown was forty six percent. So yeah. I mean, you tell well, they're me they're throwing just, different. They're, they're running different routes. Yes, but it's just like he was so far ahead. Okay, so St. Brown was forty six percent. Mac fifty one percent. Cam Smith forty seven percent. Freddie Canteen thirty three percent. Just one of three. Chris <laughs> Chris Fink was sixty two. And then uh, Boykin was 53. Stefferson was 49. Really? So he's way ahead of those guys. So, like, the guy can do something right when he's in, like, when you're forcing the ball to him. Um, so I I guess I just, to see a, a tug of war between player and staff that costs them the Michigan game just seems like it would be hard. To so you agree he will probably start next year? He should yeah. start. Um but yet they'll continue. Traits will be the, still be the catch word in optimal zone. So uh, presumably... It's fine if you talk you about know, that as long I wanna, as you end up with 150 yards receiving. I want to talk about Sean Crawford, but I also... I want You know, last spring was great because there was such a sense of urgency. It, and then you win 10 games, and do you have the same sense of urgency? I mean, Alabama does. That was, yeah, that but, was exactly my column... This morning was just like, I want to see Notre Dame prove people right. Right. And I think they, they're going to have a hard time coming up with reasons to grind or motivations to grind through June and July in a way that was just automatic last year. Everyone was out of their comfort zone. And now it's like, hey, pretty much everyone's back. We really like that's 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 what concerns me. That's yeah. kind of how I felt after rewatching the game. It's like, okay, is there... Am I imagining this, or is there a sense of complacency in, in, involved here? And I, I don't want to overplay that, because sure. it, it's the last game, it's the spring game. Even even the great team, even the great Notre Dame teams don't, you know, necessarily invest everything there is into a spring game. It's the last day, you're trying to get out of there without an injury, I get that. You know, Tavon Coney... It's his last football barely, game, right? he's going to have one tackle. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, Tavon Coney... <laughs> 
I, I was he avoiding contact or did I just not see him? I, I you know I don't know, but I don't blame him because they wanted now Tranquil. He's still out there plugging away. He's wired differently. Than Drew Tranquil is <laughs> their best. I, I I probably should have amended this, but Drew Tranquil is their best pass rusher along with Julian O'Quarr. Julian O'Quarr is far and away their best pass rushing defensive end. Dalen Hayes is dramatically improved against the run, but I don't think that he's improved as a pass rusher. Yeah, I think guys on defense that I, I would agree with everything you said. Um, you know, I think Khaled Kareem continued. I thought he had a good spring overall, um, so that was encouraging to see. I think the guy that I watched during the spring game that maybe impressed me the most, just because I hadn't really seen anything, there was like sort of nothing on tape on like my personal tape of this kid was Jeremiah Wusu Kormoa because uh, I thought. He didn't get a lot of time when we watched practice. No, it was strange. I just felt like the game the game looked like it was really easy for him and natural for him. There was, a, I think, a play, might have been the second series, where Ian Book was rolling out and Avery Davis came across the formation to his left. And basically, Koromoa had to defend the Book scramble and Davis in the flat and somehow took away both. And then it ended up being a sack. Is that the one that... Uh, Ogun Deji. Yes, was they yeah. gave they him gave credit to, for the sack, but it could have but been. But Cormo was yes. the one that like forced the play to go sideways, and there were a couple other plays where he just sort of dropped into coverage, but then came up and made a play on a, a sort of a, a jet sweep type action, and th- those were just like field plays where he just sort of got how it was all supposed to fit together, and I think that the rover position, so much of it is just sort of getting how it was supposed to fit together. I think it was really one of uh, Drew Tranquil's greatest assets is he just sort of like, it made sense to him. It and I, I was surprised watching Owusu Kormoa. Like, the game seems to make sense to him considering he's never actually played in a game. Now will it make more sense to Bilal than it did last year? Because it did not make sense to Bilal last year yeah. in backup duty. But he also didn't have to own the position at all last year, Asmar Bilal. Mm-hmm. And that does impact some young athletes. Well, there's no way he was going That's to own saying. the position. That's what I'm saying. It's impossible. Yes. Uh, Coromo only had one tackle. You know, I mean, I, that doesn't mean anything. If you're seeing him reacting and around yeah, the ball, like then it's important. Right place, right time guy. I want to. I wrote about this, and man, how I, I just Sean Crawford. You know, he had the torn ACL and he had the the Achilles, and I realized that. Since then, I mean, he saved the Michigan State game, and it's not like he... Oh, he's great against BC. Too. Yeah, I mean, I it's not like he hasn't hasn't played great football at times, but how many times have we seen him get beat deep in, in practices open to the media? More times, and this is in my column, more times than I remember him getting beat deep in combined August 2015, spring mm-hmm. 2016, August 2016, the two games he played in 2016... And any of the camps last year, I, which is a lot. I thought I remembered him getting beat in August of last year, but I don't know. Whatever. That's just a practice. But <clears throat> More times. I mean, this, this, how many, this, yeah, spring, this spring. This spring, I mean, not just the Blue every, every open practice we saw him that we were allowed in, he got beat deep. And I just, you know, I mean, he, you know he's a, I mean, he's a dedicated, he's a great kid, he's a hard worker. You know he's all of that. He's very mature. They've told Has us he, his speed is completely back. There was many things written about it. Well, you can, say, you can say that. We did but, see him catch up to, was it Canteen? Or, uh, Canteen can run. I mean, Canteen had him beat, and he caught up and broke broke up a deep pass right in front of us in the balcony. Yeah. 
But he, I'm saying he flashed speed on that play. Yeah. That's, when, that's what you're kind of concerned about. If you're gonna I mean, he admitted that, look, my speed really went away. Like, he tried to fake it last year by losing weight so he'd be lighter. Then he was wearing special shoes because his Achilles was stiff all the time. He had to come in like a half hour before practice to get stretched out to then stretch out before practice. Um, like, his body just really failed him last year. So maybe maybe the summer will be big for him because, I mean, he like. Like I've never had a full off season here. I'm going to my senior year. I've never had an off season. Well, it's good he can now. Do he's that. actually going to have one. I, I just it, it makes me wonder, and it, you know, tail of tape is to just <clears throat> open up your mind and spill out ideas, which is what I did. But I mean, um, you know, so is the move of Nick Coleman is that just okay? Well, we want a bigger guy that can complement him, or we're unsure of what Coleman can. Uh, I keep saying, did I say Coleman? I keep saying. I know Coleman. you're saying that Crawford is Coleman there. Because they're trying to find a role for Coleman, or because they need to find a role exactly. instead of Crawford. Exactly. I don't know because Crawford. I can. I feel like it's both. They don't want to overtax Crawford. They maybe don't need. To Pete's point about fighting through injuries and his body not being the same. Yeah, and Pride's ready to. Pride is ready to start. But maybe play. Crawford can't be a starting field corner and a nickel, and they have to kind of mitigate it by having. If Pride's going to be the starting corner, he could be the nickel. But if he's the starting corner, you might not allow him, want him playing both forever. It's right. That's a lot of snaps. I cannot, I cannot imagine that they would ask Sean Crawford to play sixty-five snaps a game. Because other than the Navy game, he was you probably sort could, of the twenties and 30s. even without the injuries, you probably could do it. Just like, he admitted, I was like at the end of the year, like I practice, like I could barely do that. Like I was wow. just like I didn't have it you anymore. Can, I mean, you know, I never had an Achilles injury, thank God. But I mean, you can imagine that's a that can be yeah. a that can be a lifelong. You'll carry that with your whole life, corner, potentially. <clears throat> or a five eight yeah. corner coming off a torn ACL to have an Achilles an explosive, injury. Explosive, athletic, yeah. makeup, speed player. That's a that's a tough yeah. one. Uh, Alohi Gilman, um, I don't, for me, that's you know another one of those guys where I said, okay, I want to see it with my own eyes. I saw it with my own eyes Saturday. He is around the ball. It's. Yeah, I think he, he'll be. So I think he'll. I, I, I should probably quantify this when I say he's going to not be great in pass coverage. Maybe he'll be better than I think because he knows what he's doing out there so much. I do think there'll be the occasional. Uh, Having yeah. two safeties that aren't great in pass coverage. Yeah, because he's not. Up, he's he, not four. He's probably no. not even four or five five. But he will. He'll probably keep getting better in coverage as his career goes on. He's that type of football player. Uh, but boy, he's. I like him around the ball. It's. You're gonna be watching plays like who recovered that fumble on the punt, and it's gonna be Gilman. He's, <laughs> who got the ball in the pile, and Gilman's the one that knocked it out. Those type of things will happen. He's like for me. He's like or what? <clears throat> excuse me. What I saw on Saturday. He's like tranquil in that when he diagnoses run, he's on it, which is good. That's, yeah. that's how a guy makes yeah. up for not being a quick twitch. Yeah, it's like I think the safety spot is similar to quarterback where you don't need it to be great, you just need it to be better. And I think that they, you could say like, yeah, better. You know, is it better enough to win double-digit games? I have no idea, but it'll be better than it was certainly the way the last season ended where you're just like, ball's in the air. All right, that's an 80-20 ball to the offense. Yeah. Is Jalen Elliott better? Uh, I mean, didn't yeah. he had any reception, but that was really yeah. I mean, I think I think he's better by how um, inconspicuous he was during spring ball. Like, how much time did we spend talking about Jalen Elliott? Very, very little. Just that beginning practice. That's probably that early. A, and he's pretty. It's a compliment to yeah. Jalen Elliott. I yeah. mean, as far as we know, he was running with the first team all the, the time. Yeah, the whole year. Yeah. Probably the whole spring. Right. Yeah. It was maybe rotated out once at the start mm-hmm. of practice. That's and I mean, you talked to. Terry Joseph said, "Aren't the two guys that get it the most are Gilman and Elliott?" 
we all would have thought, yeah, it makes sense with Gilman, although it's weird because he didn't practice Notre Dame's plays last year. But I don't think we would have thought Elliott's the guy that understands the defense, the back line of the defense the most, and he was listed by the position coach. That's not Brian Kelly just trying to mm-hmm. boost a guy's confidence in the media and telling him that he's the most improved or something. I think I think that's relevant. Yeah, there's no question. Along with Winbush, though, no one's going to believe the Daily Elliott and safeties until September 1st, right? Yeah, there's, that's I mean... I think that's just a, a fair approach for anybody when you're <laughs> college football spring games moving towards the season. So, all right, well, that's it for segment one, Irish Illustrated Insider. We'll be back segment two, questions from our readers, next. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, segment two, questions from our readers. Uh, a question that I know Tim Priester wants to tackle first, and it's from Joe... Rymaz, and he wants to know, after watching Avery Davis and Jafar Armstrong in the spring game, what do you think their roles will be on September 1st? Well, I really like Jafar Armstrong a lot. And, you know, I, he had a couple touches. Uh, the 25-yard touchdown run was uh, just about anybody would have done that based upon the way it was blocked. But I love the swing pass to him. I don't know, he got 19 yards on or 16 or whatever. You know, he's a former receiver, so when he catches the ball in a flat, he accelerates like a receiver uh, after the catch. And I just think, I think there is a ton of ability there. I think he's a hidden gem. Um, as far as Avery Davis, you know, I think he like he's like a shiny new toy to them right now. But, you know, he gets, he, he did, he had one run where he broke a couple tackles, but he gets tripped up pretty easily. Uh I think the guy is Jafar Armstrong. If 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 the choice is between those two, if there's a choice between those two guys as to who you get extra touches to, for me, it's Jafar Armstrong because he's a big, strong kid. Doesn't have a lot of running back instincts. I don't think that he's going to juke somebody <clears throat> in the open field, but he's got a great first step. He's big. He's strong. I think there's a ton of potential there. I think Jafar Armstrong would be have been the story of the spring had he not hurt his ankle, high ankle sprain. Um, I do think that there's going to be a concern going forward that a converted wide receiver might not be able to stay healthy all year playing running back for the first time over a 12-game mm-hmm. slate. But if they could, if they have three running backs in the Williams, Jones, Armstrong, that that's, that changes my view of the position because I like his aggressiveness, I like his speed. I think I don't I don't know how a guy like CJ Procise ran so upright he was guaranteed to get hurt and he did. To a lesser extent, Josh Adams, too. I don't think that was necessarily his upright running style that did it. He's a big target, but I feel like Armstrong's going to have to learn to be running back a little bit to really capitalize on this, but I love Jafar Armstrong going forward. Uh, with Davis, I think they just have to use him properly. I think we pointed out last week, if those, let's say these guys get hurt, Jones Williams get hurt, Jafar Armstrong gets the carries. Avery Davis is jet sweep screens. You're never putting Avery Davis back there and saying, I, I, let's see what we can do and toss it to him. Yeah, he's not... It's, Dotting the I no. as a running back, and I, I, the how they use them comment applies to Jafar Armstrong too, because I'm not. I think Jafar Armstrong is closer to being a traditional running back, but he's still not close to being a traditional running back. And but if you're putting them in the backfield with Tony Jones or Dexter Williams, and you're have some misdirection created, and you're running horizontally um, or throwing swing passes, I think both those guys can be effective right now in terms of how many touches they get on September 1st, I would say five or less. Yeah, I, oh, the Michigan game, I do not think they'll be heavily involved because that is my all-time <clears throat> close to the vest, get out of here with a win and move on with our lives game. Yeah, exactly. I don't think you're going to get too cute in a game that you can be won by scoring 19 points. Right. So Armstrong's not going to, you know, I mean, he's not going to break through a hole and then it's, it's 
one-on-one with a safety and he's going to widen his base, break down, and make a move one way or another. That's, I mean, I don't think he even knows how to do that right now. But that's okay. Um, that's that's okay. You need to, you need to, I mean, both those guys are, are, they're weapons that you can use, but I would certainly lean towards Armstrong. All right. Next Twitter question is from Trash Tweet Alex. And it's a double fill in the blank. And he wants to know, Tony Jones leads Notre Dame. Okay, fill in the blank. Notre Dame's running game is X if Tony Jones leads the team and carries. Followed by, Notre Dame's running game is X if Dexter Williams leads the team and carries. Much worse than last year and <laughs> dangerous if Dexter Williams leads them and carries. I mean, if Dexter Williams leads the team that's, and carries, that's gonna that means a, like nice he's thing. got like 125 at a minimum, I would think. Yeah, that's a good number, though, because they are going to use him up. Uh, that... That would be exciting to, to see. So yeah. That would be a dangerous running game. Pedestrian would be one, and exciting would be the other. <laughs> I used pedestrian last year. That's why I used pedestrian. I was going to give I was going to give Tony Jones the benefit of the doubt and say solid, but that's that's a chicken way out of that saying <laughs> that one. But you know, I, I mean, you know, there were I know there were a couple of people that said, "Geez, if Tony Jones is starting running back, their their running game's not going to be very good." And I I, I get that. He hasn't looked good since we thought he looked really good last August. That's yeah, fair to say. He had right? one run Saturday, the 11-yard run, where he broke a couple tackles and he just kind of sl- you know, slides off tackles and then powers his way up the field. If you look at his season, he actually did improve. He, well, he wasn't having a good year, but he did get better as last year progressed, which speaks to the early injury. I mean, he was just a, he was a more productive running back in the second half of the season. Nobody else was. On the entire team. Think about how now they did lose more in the second half yeah. of the season. Remember how elusive he was in August? He always made the first guy miss, and he ran through arm tackles. And I don't get it. It's something I will not. I, I don't know. You know, I mean, he does look like he's in good shape uh, physically. The number six still looks a little bit weird to him. On him, to me. Um, I agree with you on that. But it's like they have if, a thirty-four. If problem. he's the lead back, I think Notre Dame's running game will just be okay. Um, that doesn't mean the offense will just be okay, but. Dexter Williams, it could be you get back into the Dexter Williams, Alize Mack, Chase Claypool, Troika yeah. of potential. Um, if they all, if three of those guys click, Norm's offense could be friggin' outstanding. Did you you hear the story about the number six? I did not. He wanted four. Uh, story he, I thought it was going to be. Didn't get, no. <laughs> he, he didn't get four. He didn't get four. There's a little more to it. And he was like three and four. He didn't get six. four. And he's like, well, so, six six was available, and it's kind of close. Okay. Yeah. I'll take that. I didn't really like 34. And I said, you didn't like 34? Man, there's been a lot of great running backs that wore 34. And he said, yeah, that's what my dad told me, but I still wanted a different number. That's a good one that wore six years though, right? There was a good one yeah, that wore well, six well. Yeah, he doesn't look like Jerome Dennis to me. <laughs> you, you say, you, sir. I have seen a number six at Notre Dame. <laughs> and you are not a number six. All right, last Twitter question from Brian Mann. He says, what would take Notre Dame from a nine-win team to an 11-win team? And let's just assume he, mean, he means the regular season. So from nine and three to 11 and one. Well, I think the defense is going to be, I think... I would like to think that the defense is going to pick up where it left off with Clark Lee, even though he's an inexperienced coordinator. So I would point to the offensive side of the ball, and based upon what's on my mind here from watching the Blue Goal game live and then the TV version of it is that the offensive line is better than I'm purporting it to be at the present time. And Brandon Wimbush is in that 57% completion percentage. And I will add extremely good fortune 
in terms of health, and also in the expected seven close games I think they're going to play this year. Last year's an aberration that they didn't have close games. Brian Kelly always has close games. Seven, eight, nine. In 2013, he had 11. <clears throat> you are going to have very close games against some of these teams. Save for Ball State and Vandy, why wouldn't the rest of the games be close? Now, they'll go out and lick somebody up that I'm not including. They'll destroy someone I'm saying could be close. They're not all going to be close. But they are going to have to pull out games versus Michigan, Stanford, Virginia Tech, Florida State, USC, and probably against somebody out of the Northwestern Wake Forest yeah, every, game. Every Navy. now and then they hammer Navy. Yeah, they might just light them up, but then they got to come back and play at Northwestern after crossing the country. So it, <clears> that's <throat> what I, you're going to have to be... I mean, I don't know, is it clutch? Is it great coach at the end of games? Is it all the above? Is it timely plays? Probably going to need some Sean Crawford versus Michigan State plays in these games where you're like, whoa, what? Turn the tide. Yeah, I mean, I think the difference is Dexter Williams will lead the team in carries. Um, Claypool and Mack will click. Wimbush is a 62 to 65% passer. I mean, huge improvement. Uh, And then the defense is even better than people make it out to be. I mean, there was a question that somebody asked me on Twitter if they think this will be the best defense in 2012 or even rival that defense. I don't. I don't think it's even close to that, but I think it could be it could be a really, really good defense. I mean, could it be the second best defense that they've had? Maybe, but that would that would have to be a definitely yes to get to eleven wins. So if we're, oh, if we're talking about, about yes eleven wins, wins, it's like you would have to check all the ifs would have to be yes. And they would even have to be like beyond like, yes plus. Like, Wimbush wouldn't just have to improve. He would have to make a massive Yeah, we, the, the defense, I mean, you know, you're going to be looking for a new coordinator because Clark Lee will be a head coach next year if, if they're that good. If they're, if they're comparable to the mm-hmm. 2012 defense without some of the personnel that that 2012 defense had, I, you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't see it to that extent. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be as good as, well, they're not going to be as good as the 2012 defense. There's no right. think. Last year's defense, touchdowns allowed. One, two, 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 one, two. Are they going to start out like that? I mean, Miami was probably four. There's a, de- there's a defensive touchdown in there. Navy, two. LSU, two. So Stanford and Miami got them. And Wake mm-hmm. started getting them. Mm-hmm. Now, not to make an excuse for the defense in Wake, because that really was the beginning of the spiral. It was 41-16 to 16 when they started getting them. It's Human nature did come into play a little bit in that. Um the next week, obviously, the team scored 41, so you say, well, no, that was the beginning of it. But that defense, seven teams scored, eight teams scored two touchdowns, two teams scored one touchdown. <clears throat> That's quality defense. Mm-hmm. And you pretty much have everybody back there. But it'd be hard to be much, it'd be hard to be better oh. than that, right? Yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't have to be, it doesn't... I mean, well, you can't give a better, five for the other two games. Right? I mean, the, the key is the two fives. Can they not have two games where the offense scores five touchdowns against them? That's yeah. really yeah, the whole if point. If the defense played November, like it played September, October, they probably would have won 11 games. But that's just not how football works. Even with Wimbush at 49, I mean, even with that, yeah. because you're so good in the red zone that you, all, you offset a lot of that. Yeah. Wash ND, after seeing the quarterback and offensive line competitions appear to be over, will there be any real position competitions left when fall camp starts? Um, you know, I mean, I, 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 I don't know so that Jalen Elliott has, has it secured per se. 
Uh, he wouldn't. No, he would right? ask here too. Uh, you know, defensively, you have nine stars returning. So, yeah. uh, and Gilman's one of the new ones. And uh, what Kareem would it would be the other one. And he's got it secured now. By yeah, default, he has you know. it secured. Um, you know, just because you don't have, I mean, you know, you still you still have. I mean, everybody's an injury away, right? I mean, you hope the guys are still competing, knowing that they're that they're on the cusp of. There's a lot of rotation. Play, and there is a lot. Exactly, I was just going to say there's a lot of rotation. I mean, they want to continue to rotate on the defensive line. They're in a position to rotate on the defensive line. Um, they're somewhat in a position, I guess, to rotate on the offensive line once you get everything solidified. There's three guys there that, uh, you know, as backups that everybody feels good about, Ruland, Lug, and, and Banks. Banks, I, you know, I, I continue to really like what Aaron Banks does. Um, With the caveat sorry, that you don't need him to start for your Notre Dame football team this year, right? Correct. I, I mean, yeah, you yeah. want, yeah, you want, and that's why you say to have an extremely healthy year, which um, sometimes that's what it takes in order to win 10, 11 games. And that wasn't even questioning their depth. I just think you need, I mean, they need their playmakers out there. That's, they have, they have good, they have good depth now, a lot of positions with a lot of these rotations. I actually wrote about it. I like their depth more than I like some of the star power. I mean, quickly name, this is a little exercise for a podcast. Name the 10 best players on Notre Dame's team. And if I sat here and did that in 2015, the Jalen Smith team, I would rattle them off without blinking. Yeah. Yeah, and this team, I mean, it's like, you actually want me to try to No, do I'm it. saying, <laughs> it's a tough, but, I mean, you go, we can go five. Yeah, I mean, my, and I would put Mustafer, I'm, I'm starting on off Mustafer, yeah. uh, Wimbush. Um, I mean, hopefully. <laughs> he better be. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, it's like Mustafer, Bars, Wimbush, Claypool. Tillery, Coney, Love, Tranquil. I'm at eight. Um, who's nine and ten? I would put Hainsey ahead of Bars. Okay. Well, you'd be nine. Like, just in terms of naming nine guys. Um, right. And then, just think back to Jalen Smith, Will Fuller, Ronnie Stanley, Nick Martin. These guys are going <laughs> pro. Mike McGlinchey. I mean, that, Quentin. McGlinchey would not have been not in have been top ten. ten. But no, Nelson... But, Probably wouldn't have been in our only if we forecasted right. Yeah. That's, that's those names are different. Uh, oh, as a first time starter, yeah. I mean, I guess sitting here right Kamari. now, yeah, doesn't make doesn't mean one team's better than the, uh, this team has. My point is, this team has, I like their depth. Yeah, I just don't like the star power as much as the depth. I'm not sure what's more important. Really, <laughs> if you get injuries, your depth is more important. I think the star power is more important. Yeah, probably true. 2012 defense is a perfect example of that. Golden by name, the emphasis and improvement of the passing game this spring was encouraging. How much shift do you see in play calling going from a 60-40 run-pass mix last year? I think it all depends on what Brandon Wimbush can be successful with. I think Chip Long would probably say something similar to that. He, he wants to be a run-oriented team. You know, if you can... If you can keep running on people, then you do, like they did last year with 270 yards a, a game. But... Um, I think it's up to it's up to Brandon Wimbush and the the uh, the receiving core as to how much they're capable of doing there, and it's up to the offensive line as to how much they're capable of relying on yeah. the run and play and, action. And right? now, now you don't have Josh Adams and you don't have McGlinchey and Nelson, so you may have to throw. You will have to throw more. It's you know fans I don't think realize how much the entire coaching staff wanted Josh Adams back, and that's telling, right? They were desperate oh, yeah. for him to come back. Yeah. You know? Now, Dexter Williams can mitigate that by being as good as everybody wants him to be. But he could be half of what everybody wants him to be, and that's not mitigated at all, then. They didn't mind Equinemius St. Brown leaving, and he's 
looking pretty good in his life so since then, right? And I think Notre Dame, I think that was a win-win. Yeah. So it was probably a smart move for St. Brown, right. and I think Notre Dame is going to be validated by, like, we can replace that. Um, yeah, St. Brown's probably going to get drafted uh, Friday, second day. Yeah, so it's pretty... What's your thought, Pete, what's your thought on the split of uh, run pass? Um, I mean, am, am I... Am I giving quote? Am I giving Chip Long quote too much credit for being a guy that's going to to favor the running game? Um, no, I mean I, I think that they. I don't know if it's going to be sixty forty though. Um, that know, that just means you have a great running 55, game. Fifty five forty five. I think that would be a healthy balance. You know, if it's less than that, if like if it's a fifty fifty, I think that's still fine. Um, as long as it's not like. Well, they ran it 72 times against Ball State. Um, yeah. That doesn't count. So, it's, I mean, they want to be a run, play-action team. I think they would like the RPO to be part of what they're doing way more than they were. And, like, what happens in an RPO? Two of them are runs. The yeah. other one's a pass. So, yeah, that's going to... And Wimbush successfully executed yes. a throw to Michael it's, Young. It was, yeah, that was, like, early in the game. Right, it, was it, just it, like, it, well, it looks so easy. It's like, they're giving me this, so I will just yep. take this. Yep. Um, that wasn't so easy last year. They're, look, they're, they're, there's no doubt that they're going to have to throw it more. I mean, that's why Brian Kelly emphasized it. Part, obviously, they didn't do it well last year, but in order for them to be successful this year, they're not going to run it as well as they did, so they're going to have to be more successful throwing right. the football. They were able to get away with being less successful last year because they averaged 270 yards rushing a game. Yeah. That, uh, we'll probably never see that again. No, we probably won't. Oh, no, I mean under Kelly. I, I don't mean Pro- yeah. You know, he's, whatever, four or five years more. He's probably not going to see that type of running attack. Probably. Again. That probably was just not. the perfect storm. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, and the quarterback was part of it. The quarterback ran 140 times. That's a that's a Tony Rice. Yeah, number he, had, of times. he had 800 yards rushing. If if the quarterback was a better passer last year, you wouldn't have seen those rushing statistics no, last no. year. I don't. I would argue. Yeah, K. Beasley. Brian <clears throat> Kelly said in a post game that he needed to see if we could throw it 50 times a game. Did the, uh, we're kind of run, going over this now? But did the blue and gold game make you feel that Nordham could win a game versus Michigan, USC, etc., with a shootout or coming from behind? No, no. They don't win shootouts. Notre Dame's not very good. Yeah. They are, this is the top of my head for about five years. One and two last year. Well, to throw away, you can throw away 2016 if you want to, but they're about two and six in 2016. They wouldn't have won a shootout or a close game. Close. They were bad at low-scoring games that year, too. They were pretty good in 2015 when they had that really good offense and, and the defense kept them out of the BCS. Mm-hmm. Out of the playoffs, I'm sorry. Yeah. They had to reduce shootouts in the Golson year, and they were three and five in shootouts in that year. And they really didn't have shootouts when they were playing in the Diaco years, right? They're, but they were probably yeah, not really. two and five in the three years or the four years. It, it's, look, in a shootout situation, yeah, you'd like to, well, I hope we have the ingredients to win. But you don't want to be a, you don't want to be a team that necessarily can win shootouts per se because that means you don't run it well right. and your defense is hemorrhaging. And you start poorly. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, they don't, I mean, comeback is a different way of looking at it. I mean, they, they've... The historically bad starts on the, the crazily bad starts on the road and big games they've had are, are strange. It's something they can't have any more of. Um, but it's not fair to ask a team to come back and win in those situations. I mean, they put themselves in that position, but it's not like Kelly can't come back when he's down twenty-one on the road. Well, most teams don't, right? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe this question, a generous way to to read it would be: if Notre Dame is down seventeen in a game, can they throw their way back into it? I would say yes. 
Last year, I would say absolutely not. Um, so in, in that way, maybe some progress. They've progressed. Was, it's, sure. It's like, look, it's like if you're up 20 on Navy or something, they're like, well, we're screwed. Yeah. We can't do anything. Brent, like, look, Notre Dame could pass their way back into a game now. Brandon Wimbush is going to hit it. He's going to hit deep balls better than he did last year. Yeah, we just he talked just about the will. beginning of this, yeah. this podcast. Yeah, there are so many did. open ones. Yeah. Oh, they, who also hit intermediate balls better and short balls better. Yeah. Like it'll just it will just be better. Uh, I guess the fifty passes a game thing is. Hey, here's that, what that's I, never you're never gonna win at Notre Dame throwing with Brandy Wimbush throwing that many passes. In. I, They'll go zero and no whatever. one would win at, like at Notre Dame with anyone winning. No, they usually don't. Game. I mean, Brady Quinn probably could pull some out, but he lost games because of that too. Like that yeah. Michigan State game. It's that, a terrible, that's, terrible, that's a terrible idea when you're throwing fifty times. I want to ask you guys a question. I'm gonna branch off here, and I, I just addressed it real briefly in uh, uh, tail of tape. <clears throat> I want to see if Brandon Wimbush is struggling. I want to see. I want to see Ian Book in the game. I mean, I'm not saying you know, like in the first quarter. Yeah. But if it, but if it's if it's a big game and you're struggling and you're down, you know, whatever. You're saying don't go down with the ship. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that that makes sense. And to worry about you know healing his psyche after the game. I I, I just Ian Book knows he can win. The coaching staff knows he's capable of winning. I know he came in against Miami, but that was an impossible situation, and any young quarterback would have struggled in that situation. But do you know what I'm saying? I mean, do you, do you disagree? I, no, I don't. I, I never believe you shouldn't bench a quarterback that's failing. I was screaming for Eric Olsen to get benched in 2014. Yeah. They couldn't believe that you would allow yeah. someone to I mean, especially fumble the ball now that, Especially now that Book is, I mean, he started against North Carolina, did a good job. He won your bowl game for you. He's more confident. He's probably pissed now because he's not going to be the number one quarterback. You, know, you owe it to your team and your assistant coaches and everybody else. Exactly. Ian Book can help you win if Wimbush is struggling. But you're right. Don't. It's not because Wimbush misses a deep throw and then throws a pick. It's. I think it was Paul Burmeister that suggested, hinted in the broadcast that Chip Long said, you know, we're a little bit more inclined to go to Book. Now, I don't know if that's actually true, if that's a paraphrase, if that's accurate or what. But when I heard that, it's like, you got you've you've got to do that. You can't go down with a ship. Yeah, I mean they Ian Book is so much more accomplished than he was when last season started. Right. So like the idea of we're more inclined to go to Book, I think says way more about Book than it does Wimbush. And he's he's Wimbush has won the job, but Book's a more accurate passer. Yeah, they have they have they have two quarterbacks that they can win with. Just one of them they can win more games with than the other one. So they can win more with Wimbush than they can with Book, but they can win with both. And on your point, I think Kelly and he probably did in the LSU game. He probably knows when he talks to Wimbush when something goes wrong. Is he taking this? Is he is he handling this correctly, or do I need to make a change? Because yeah. obviously he pulled the trigger quickly in the LSU game. He well, pulled that trigger in the LSU game. Well, they did. They went into, yeah, yeah, they I, went into the game with the general. I don't know about that. I don't do you? know. I, I think that they were going to give a series to book. Either way, the, the broadcast team certainly indicated right. that they had been tipped that off. They had by the talked staff about that. that. That was a plan to like, and it wasn't like I don't even think Wimbush was. I mean, Wimbush wasn't great, but it wasn't like he was. It wasn't like a Miami game. No, where like, right. Well, they said they would try. Right. It was like no, that this was an intentional move. He to never do. went back in though. Oh, I was like, well, you know, I mean not, that he's not that good. Well, but. book didn't. Book wasn't great until a leaping touchdown catch by. Yeah, he had, he had, he had, he had no, two touchdown passes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I'm just well. They never went back to Brandon Wimbush before. <laughs> they didn't have any offense yeah. when they replaced Brandon Wimbush with Ian Book until the two touchdown passes in the fourth quarter. I'm just saying that it wasn't like 
we could use them both when they came out of halftime. It was didn't he, then, both, then, wait, right? he moved them at the end of the first half. He did. And, they, and that was when we thought maybe they're not going to go back to Brandon Wimbush. I'm just saying that you have, MP, your, your point's well taken. Ian Book today is different than Ian Book a year ago. Mm-hmm. And so I would like to see them have more confidence in him in that situation. Doesn't I'm not saying you you don't go back to Wimbush or whatever. You know, hopefully Wimbush handles those situations better. Ian Book is much better prepared for those situations. I'm gonna get Pete's feeling on court alternating quarterbacks because you weren't clear on Twitter <laughs> on uh, Saturday. Yeah, uh, Ralph Would you Russo. Say, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ralph Russo from the AP. Two hundred eighty characters worth of yeah. no. <laughs> oh, 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 I yeah. did see that in the press. Yeah, box. so sorry. sorry if I uh, bombed your tweet deck or Twitter app uh, with my two hundred eighty character of no. I don't know why I used a period at the end of it because I could have worked in about like thirty seven more no's. The waste of characters. Well, I didn't see what Ralph Russo. Oh, he, he said, asked like, question. It looks like Notre Dame has two good quarterbacks. I wonder if they'll play both of them. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. But there are situations where, hey, it's just another damn position, isn't it? It was with Reese and Golson. Yeah, but that was a special world. And I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wonder how Wimbush would take it. Um, I don't, poorly. He yeah, but it it's poorly. like he doesn't have a right to take it poorly in the way like Kaiser had a right to take it poorly in 2016. Well, look, deal with it. Yeah, deal with it. Otherwise, you know, don't don't play so poorly that it's it's a sure. situation where they have to do it. All right, Southern Irish one. Who has better season as in more valuable to the team? LSA Mack or Cole Komet? And Southern Irish one says his money is on Cole Komet. Particularly uh, in October. That's a good question. Um mine's on Mack as a senior and Cole Komet as a career. I think sometimes we anoint sophomores too early. Yeah, yeah, he's a pretty special sophomore. I would agree. But I think um, LZ Mack uh, is the guy that will be more valuable to the team this year. I will put my money on Komet because I know for certain he will be there and engaged all the time. Yeah, that's a good point. But like, if we're if it's September one and Mack and Komet are out there together, then I think then maybe I would lean more towards Mack. I mean, I, you know, um, I mean, I'm heavily influenced by what I saw Saturday. I mean, and Komet's good, but I mean, just overall athlete and ability and breakaway ability, the, the edge goes to Mac. And so I would say that it, today. It is nonsensical that LZ Mac cannot, would go through Notre Dame. For three years of healthy. Well, that's and why, I, that's really, why I'm saying if you don't player, if yes. you don't get the most out of Claypool, Dexter Williams, and Elze Mack, I mean it's on the kids. It's At the end too. of the day, as an athlete, it's up to you. But it's definitely on the coaching staff, man. You've got to find a way. You recruited them. You wanted them. I'm not down on at all. I just every once in a while, the sophomore, it's like, well, this guy's good. He's I mean, sure. sometimes it takes. We a want to skip a level. Yeah, we do. We skip levels. I mean, Troy Nicholas, the sophomore, had five catches. He was a really good junior. Yeah, he was a really good junior, and that's just kind. Of, I don't. I think Komet's gonna have more than five catches. Yeah, it's like. Boy. I just mean no. He's the second best. Troy Nicholas is a weapon at tight end coming into that year, and he looked great. We couldn't believe how good Troy Nicholas looked, and he just didn't get the ball that much. You know, it's there's yeah. a Chase Claypool, Alize Mack, three running backs. Think and Young, Kevin Austin. There's weapons that they can throw to yeah. that limit how much everybody can get. Yeah. How much Wimbush gets the ball to the tight ends will say a lot about his evolution as a quarterback, yeah. too. But I, yeah, O'Malley, I agree. It's like 
for how much they lost on offense, for an offense that like sort of classically returns four starters, I'm like, it doesn't feel like an offense that only returns four starters. No, based on I agree. To work with, so. All right, well, that's it for this week's Irish Illustrated Insider. We're going to take next Monday off, so we'll be back Monday, May 7th with our next podcast. So until then, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for listening.